Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. With your host, Philip Randazzo. And we are live, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Thank you for tuning in to yet another Monday episode. We have an exclusive interview coming to you guys today. You are not going to want to miss this one. It's with a, a good friend of mine. Uh, but before we get started, uh, let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Philip Randazzo. I am the host of the show. For those of you who have been tuning in, uh, you are already well aware of that and you probably wish I would stop saying it, but for those of you who are just now starting to tune into the show or you are tuning in today because you are from Steven's Circle, I am your host and we are really glad you guys decided to stop by and spend some time with us today. And with that, uh, let me just get into the bio. We are hearing from Mr. Steven Dar today. And so uh, I'm going to get into his bio right now. So after dedicating thousands of hours uh, to learning the intricacies of marketing, Stephen drove over $1.3 million in paid traffic for a Fortune 500 level uh, companies. Uh, And then he was doing this as an employee of a prominent digital marketing agency. Stephen then left that agency to start Conversion for Good, which is something that we are going to hear in detail about from him on the show today. And he started this company to help organizations that make the world a better place to improve their marketing. He also authored the book Profit Hacking, which is an incredible book, and it's only 99 cents on Amazon for your Kindle. It is well worth the investment, I promise you that, Uh, and this book has consistently stayed in Amazon Kindle's bestseller rankings for web marketing since its release in December of 2014, which is absolutely incredible. Um, Steven shares some awesome insight with us today during the conversation about how he started a company that ultimately failed, then he had to go back into the corporate world and work a job, uh, working for somebody else, collecting a paycheck, the struggles that he had with that whole situation, and then what the process was like for him to start another company and ultimately end up being successful with that in the process of writing his book. All these things we're gonna get in, uh, gonna get into today. So uh, strap in your seatbelts and get ready for my conversation with Mr. Stephen Dar. Enjoy the show. You are listening to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Fuel 101, the six steps to take you from where you are to where you want to go. This is one of those books that basically takes all the things that are being shared on the podcast, puts them into a practical, applicable form, applicable kind of framework that's going to allow you to pursue your passions, dreams, goals, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in your life at this point in time. It's going to take that, put it into a framework, and help you get there. And just for tuning into the show, go to the Rocket Fuel 101 in numbersbook.com, the Rocket Fuel 101book.com. Put the book in the cart, type in promo code PODCAST. Once you get to the checkout, you are going to receive 25% off any and all purchases from that site just for tuning into the podcast. Again, go to the therocketfuel101book.com, buy the book, enter promo code PODCAST. You're going to receive 25% off any and all purchases. This is one of those books that's literally going to transform your thinking. You can see a bunch of testimonials on the site. There's some informational videos and a bunch of goodies there. Check that stuff out. See for yourself what the hype is all about. You want to get yourself a copy. Don't be late to this party. Again, promo code podcast is going to get you 25% off any and all purchases. And I'm just going to say now, enjoy the book because we know you will. Steven, welcome to the show. Thanks, Philip. All right. I'm excited to to dive into your story. And so just to give the listeners a bit of a backstory as to how Steven and I met, uh, we were both at an event called the Archangel Academy. This event took place in L.A. 
um, in January of this this year, 2016. And uh, we're both from Chicago or from the Chicago area. And so that's kind of how we got started talking. He's a young guy. And, uh, you know, after hearing his story, I just knew we had to get uh, to come on the podcast and share it with with me and with with all you listeners. So I'm super excited to dive in. So, Stephen, let's just start uh, from the beginning. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us kind of the backstory, it could be, you know, just a short bulleted um, version of kind of what brought you to doing what you're doing today and who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll try and keep it to the short bullet version because I can go on <laughs> for quite a long time. Yes, yes, um, we all can. And so I, I really love your your podcast. And I love your demographic skewing a little bit younger because I started as uh, a young entrepreneur pretty much straight out of college. I started my first business at age 22. And it was just the most epic, spectacular failure <laughs> that anyone has ever seen. Um, and it was completely necessary for me to learn a lot of the things that um, I took into the second business I created. Basically, the first business was a financial services company specifically for K-12 through school teachers, helping them with their retirements. And I went into it and the the finance and the advice and the information was all sound and very good, but I didn't know anything about marketing. So mm. I and nothing about sales either. So I had a very difficult time getting my message out and getting in front of teachers and like really effectively getting my message across. And then on the rare occasions where the blind squirrel found the nut, I was um, not a very polished speaker and salesperson. So I just started this ongoing that I mean still continues today process of learning everything I could about marketing sales entrepreneurship buyer psychology and um you know my peak I was reading about a book a week in Mm. addition to meeting people and trying to buy their time or reverse engineer how successful people created their marketing campaigns and by the time I was really good I was broken in debt from running a business at a loss. So I got a job at a marketing agency in Chicago where I managed millions of dollars of ad spend and worked on the websites of big companies like up to Fortune 500 level. And about two years ago, I felt ready. The entrepreneurial itch had come back. I had gotten some experience working on some great campaigns in corporate America, so to speak. And then I wanted to give myself a second shot at entrepreneurship. So I left and I uh, haven't looked back for two years and um, created a company called Conversion for Good. We do conversion optimization specifically for companies that have um, a mission and a purpose, trying to make the world a better place in addition to making a profit. And I wrote a book called Profit Hacking. Yeah, and, and we're going to dive into all that. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I want to start with college. What were you looking to do coming out of college? Did you want to do the financial stuff? Um, what were you studying and, and where did you go to school? I went to the University of Illinois, the one in Champaign, and I was a finance major. And it was funny because now I'm so deep into marketing, but in college, I thought all the marketing majors were like the goof offs of the business school. Like <laughs> they were taking the easiest classes. And I was like, oh, marketing is not important. Finance and accounting is what's important. And so. I took a class when I was a junior in college that was about personal wealth management and financial planning. And that was the same year that the market crashed in 2008. And there's all these stories about people who had saved their entire lives, but now they won't be able to retire. Or all these people who are in really ugly financial situations due to things outside their control. And I had just been learning about strategies that people could take into account to prevent that from happening to them. And so I really wanted to help people and it seemed like the the right fit based on my major and my what interested me. So I got a job out out of college with a, a huge insurance company, one of the biggest companies in the world, to be a financial advisor specifically for K through twelve school teachers. And I thought that I'd found my dream job. I thought that I was going to be there for 40 years. It was going to be my career. I was there for like two and a half months. 
And the reason why is because I read the details of the plan that they wanted me to sell. And they called us financial advisors, but we were really like glorified insurance salesmen for a pretty crappy retirement investment vehicle. And so I left that job because I didn't wasn't going to sell something that I didn't believe in. And I thought that teachers who had this particular product, either from the insurance company that hired me or a couple others that sold the exact same thing, were really being misserved. And so, you know, I left that job and it was 2010 at this point when unemployment was at its highest that it's been in a long time. And so a lot of my friends were looking for their first job out of school. I had gotten a job and left it two months later. And so I was trying to figure out what to do. And it kept on eating at me that teachers were being screwed, for lack of a better word. And so I decided to see if I could do something about it and and start a business. And I did help some teachers. I mean, I I did help a handful of people. Well, I mean, I I guess I don't know the exact number through how many who read my website and then took action from it. But I know from how many people specifically hired me or, or bought my like more advanced courses, things that I ended up eventually creating. So there was some impact, but not to the level that, you know, I had envisioned when I started it. Um, but then I just kind of fell in love with marketing when I started learning about it. Uh, and I started learning about it for the purpose of making that first business work. And I actually have plans of going back and um, doing something now that I know way more about marketing to help teachers, like, so kind of go full circle on that. But it's just not my number one priority right now. Yeah, yeah, and and that's awesome. And so, what w- what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned from that first business failure that you've carried forward to help you in in your current ventures? So you know, there's so many things. I'm sure you've heard of it. Like you know what you know, and you know what you don't know, and then you don't know what you don't know. Yep. If you, <laughs> yeah. And so, like the number of things that I didn't know that like I just didn't know about what it takes. Like on a, and I mean, just like on a personal level, to be able to handle the responsibility and to be able to handle the potential ups and downs, and to be able to have the level of commitment and so, like, I'm almost hesitant to use the word passion, yeah, because like passion is important. But like I think commitment's a better word because you're not gonna feel great every single day. You might not feel the passion and the desire or like the connection to your why every single day. But to make sure that you don't have any zero days where even if like all you can do is get out of bed and like do one productive thing or you know, make one sales call or outbound marketing effort to have the there's a word that's escaping me but <laughs> I, I think like everyone can pick up just like you know use the word yeah, yeah. that comes up for you based on what I was just saying um, to be able to continue each day and to not let because um, it's easy to get swept up in like when people talk about passion but then every every coin's got another side you know of and course. so like for whenever every day that like you might be feeling great about your business, you might have a day where you feel the exact amount of power and energy, but in the opposite direction. So like you feel fear or you feel like um you know, you can't do anything when some days like you feel like you're on top of the world. So being able to manage yourself and then eventually being able to manage others and understand that like you're working with human beings. Um and to have like some compassion for where they're at um, because no one does anything by themselves. You need cooperation, whether it's through customers and clients or employees and contractors. So um, I think I expected a little bit too much of myself the first time around and didn't have any compassion for when times were tougher but it's like if you if you lack that compassion then when a day is tough you're going to throw in the towel and quit and you're going to make all these stories about yourself mm-hmm. and so really it's all about 
I think the biggest thing I learned was managing myself and emotions to be able to have positive days, even when maybe I wouldn't feel like having it on the surface. Yeah. And I think you made such a great point there. It's like, and I'm, I've even fallen victim to preaching this stuff as well. It's like, you know, follow your passion, follow your bliss, follow what you'd love to do. And I've been listening to a podcast today earlier uh, with Tim Ferriss, and he's uh, interviewing someone by the name of Mike Rowe. And they had a great point in that uh, conversation where Mike shares, he says, you got to follow opportunity uh, more so than follow your passion. You don't necessarily need to follow your passion, but if you follow opportunity, you just might fall into something that you love. And it's interesting because that's almost similar to your story. You know, you followed your passion at first and you wanted to help these these K through 12 school teachers and then throughout the process of not understanding marketing and going through the learning process of learning how to do it effectively, you fell into something uh, through an opportunity that you're now doing full time and you're you're doing at, at such an, a high level and making such an impact. I think it's so cool to see those types of stories take place. And do you have any, I know you said you read a lot of books uh, when it came to learning about marketing. Do you recall any, uh, any one book or any couple books in particular that really had a major impact on the way that, that you thought and then kind of transitioned into thinking about marketing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, it's funny to be asked that question because there's <laughs> like 50 of them. And for a completely shameless plug, I took the best stuff from all the books I read and tried to condense it and make it really easy to grasp and applicable in my book, Profit Hacking. Mm-hmm. And I, I highlight some of the absolute best books that I read in there. But just off the top of my mind, I mean, 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall was a huge one for me. It really changed the way that I viewed the value of any individual customer as well as when you look at opportunities for growth that there's this, well, he calls it like a natural law of economics and he makes a pretty solid case for it. And to see where you can put in your time and energy and effort and get usually highly leveraged results. So, you know, instead of putting like in one unit of effort and getting one unit of result, it's like, how can I put in one unit of effort and get 15 units of results, whatever that Mm. means for you. Um, so that was a huge one. Um, it's funny, like I, I kind of had this weird resistance to reading anything by Seth Godin for a while, (laughs) but I just read a couple of his books and they were like, they were kind of what you were talking about where they were huge shifts as opposed to books that had tactics or, uh-huh. you know, here's yeah, what to he's, do. He's very theoretical. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to think. So I, I read tribes and then I read all marketers are liars or also <laughs> known as all marketers are storytellers. And so to kind of think about, sure, like I can come up with all the, because in my day-to-day work, I'm really focused on pretty like tactical, very scientific, like A-B testing type stuff. And that's all the science part of marketing. But there's also an art to marketing as well. So if you think there's the art and then the science, I think Seth is very, very far into the art realm of it. Yep. And to kind of understand the the bigger implications of like, what does it mean to be a leader in your company and a leader for your tribe or for the people that that follow you in your business? Um, you know, what are the stories that can really inspire people to want to pick you over the competition or want to follow you or want to be a part of a cause? So those are the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Yeah, and and we'll be sure to link to all those in the show notes. And so, what was the transition like for you going from okay? Uh, I was working a job for two and a half months out of college, quit that job to start my own business. Then that business fails. And now you're going back into the the quote unquote corporate world. Now you're going back into working for somebody else. Like you said, doing some of this marketing stuff. Uh, what, what was that transitionary process like for you? What were the feelings that were coming up as you were going from being your own boss to working for somebody else? So it's funny, like, 
I, I wasn't really journaling very much at the time. So it, cause it's fun now for me to open up old journals and almost re-enter my brain and what I was feeling and thinking and going through at certain uh-huh. times. Cause it's really easy to forget and it's really easy to look back and almost look back on your life with all of the experience and perspective and, you know, known history. So if you wrote something in 2014, now you look back at it today, you know what happened in the last two years. So um, there's just all this more experience and knowledge. And so it's almost hard for me to go back now because it was like four years ago, even longer, to the exact moment. But it's interesting because I think for a while, and this is actually like a big lesson too, in terms of your ego and so being a being a quote-unquote business owner or an entrepreneur and like really tying your identity to that mm-hmm. is dangerous <laughs> um, because well if you just look at the numbers a very high percentage of businesses fail within the first couple years and so failure is a huge natural part of I mean oftentimes of the growth curve and the path to success and so I know I've met people and I know I certainly fell into this as well where it's almost like they loved the idea of their business or loved the idea of being an entrepreneur or business owner more than they actually <laughs> loved making an impact and serving and yeah, like all that comes with it um, as well as the work that comes with it. Um, so I think for a while I just had like this huge resistance to – to admitting to myself and med- admitting to friends and family and you know people that I'd talked to in the past that you know I because I at, at the time I was also kind of making professional or entrepreneurial failures mean something about me so I was like oh like I am a failure mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know this didn't work out yeah but it really was helpful for me in a lot of ways to get this job and work um, because I was working. You know, basically by myself and like living by myself, and so it was great to be in an office and be surrounded with other people each day. And the company I worked at was pretty young, so a lot of people my age, and like it grew my social network quite a bit. And um, you know, I, I had fun, and it was it was nice to get a steady paycheck guaranteed every two weeks, and um, I got a lot of experience. But it was hard to, to at first, like kind of change that mindset and like what it meant about me to like officially put my entrepreneurial dreams on hold for an indefinite period of time. Yeah, and, and man, it, that hits home with me, especially the the aspect of you know internalizing that failure and making it about you instead of about the the one specific event or thing that just so happened to not work you know you take that and you say okay well i'm a failure you know i didn't ma- i wasn't able to make this happen and if you do that enough man that'll beat you down to a place that that you definitely don't want to be but i think you hit on some some great points there and i think um just the fact that that you were able to get into an environment with with other young people and and network and stuff i think uh, and then obviously you got into an environment that dealt with marketing and, you know, that then spurred into what you are doing now. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to ask you just really quickly, um, what, when did you pick up journaling and what is your journaling process or, or what does that look like for you? So, I mean, it's been like on and off for probably about two and a half years. Okay. Um, kind of started and I mean obviously I think everyone at some point maybe had a a journal or a diary or whatever the hell they want to call it Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I really started committing to it in mid 2013 I read a book called Choose Yourself by James Altucher great book yeah one of my favorites and he talks about a daily practice and one of them involved writing and he wasn't necessarily talking about journaling, but then I also read a book called the miracle morning. And one of the parts of the the morning to do that he recommends is, is doing some journaling. And so I started 
and just like any probably every part of my daily practice really on and off on and off and I'll usually be pretty consistent with it for a stretch of time and then not do it for a stretch of time um for me journaling it's most likely to happen either one of the first things I do in the morning before I turn on a laptop or a cell phone or anything like that or if it's at the end of the day and especially if I had a particularly interesting day uh, to kind of reflect back on it and pull out some maybe some lessons or some areas of improvement. Yeah, and journaling is something that I've recently picked up probably within the last, I'd say, just about six months. And I've been using uh, the five-minute journal, which uh, you know we were given at the Archangel event. Uh, I don't know if you use the five-minute journal or not. I think it's a great uh, tool to help people journal very quickly uh, and get into the practice and habit of journaling that haven't been involved in that practice before. I think for me, like it was just so easily laid out and it wasn't such a scary, daunting thing. Like it wasn't just a blank page staring at me saying, okay, now you got to think of something to write. It was very strategic. Like, okay, uh, three things you're grateful for, three things that are going to happen today that are going to be awesome. And then some of these daily affirmations, I think for any of you listening who haven't yet picked up the, the practice of journaling, um, I think it is really powerful and, and like Steven hit on, it's one of those things where it's so interesting to get back into your frame of mind when things are going on. Um, because like, like Steven said, it's one of those things where you can kind of, uh, you kind of forget the feelings that you have when you're going through particular situations, especially tough situations. And so to be able to get back into your own head during those times, I think it's super insightful uh, and also just something fun to do, kind of look back and say, okay, wow, you know, I thought this was such a difficult time. And then in reality, it wasn't that difficult at all. Um, journaling has been a really cool practice for me. And so, Stephen, let's transition now. Um, so you're working at this marketing company and now you decide you want to become an entrepreneur again. What was, what was that? What did that feel like for you? What was that process like? Was it scary? Was it exciting? Um, were you afraid of failure again or did you know, okay, this time I'm more well equipped, but what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I, I got the job at the marketing agency in 2012 and then it was in like mid, mid to like, I think Q3 of 2013 when I read choose yourself. And so I read, I read choose yourself. And if the, if you, the listener haven't read it yet, Basically, James Altcher makes this argument that we're coming to this era of the economy and just the the way the world's set up. That in a lot of time, a lot of situations, you can't or you may not want to trust an employer to have your back and provide you with an income and a career for the remaining horizon of your your work life, and that there's actually maybe more safety as well as certainly more freedom as well as and maybe fulfillment and purpose in choosing yourself, at least in some small ways at first and finding ways to uh, freelance or consult or create something or build an audience and a tribe to um, and basically not have to worry about gatekeepers, whatever that might look like for yeah. you to to choose you. And so I read that book and that really kind of relit the the fire for wanting to choose myself and and be an entrepreneur or you know have a little bit more risk in my life uh, professionally and obviously with the opportunity for greater reward and so about six months after I read Choose Yourself I made the decision that I was going to leave and I was planning on leaving in in May or June of 2014. But then, um, like a, a couple of things happened in February, and I just was laying in bed on a Sunday night, and I was thinking, the last thing I want to do when I open my eyes when I wake <laughs> up is go into to that office and spend fifty plus hours this week working for someone else and building their vision and their dream, and so I gave my two weeks notice the next day, mm. and. Uh, so that's uh, that was kind of the story, and it was like I remember it was funny because I was journaling then, and I went back and I read some of my journals fairly recently, and I was like, 
because half the time I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I can't believe I did this. Like I should have given myself those three extra months to have more <laughs> runway and had th- like six more paychecks come in that I was going to save pretty much exclusively to help like fund what I was doing. And then, um, but then like the other half was like, well, I've been an entrepreneur for some period of time earlier in my life. And even though it didn't work out, I learned all this. And I guess like the most important thing was, and it's a kind of like a beautiful thing about about failure once you're through it is I already knew what the worst case scenario looked like. Mm-hmm. I knew what it looked like to to be broke and to be in debt. I knew what it looked like to um, have to admit to myself and others that what I was working on was not ultimately a success. And I mean, I think the worst part was what we alluded to earlier, the emotional side of it and the stories that I told myself about myself. And, um, you know, it was the first time around I, I let it get to me and I'd say I was fell into depression for a stretch of time, but then I was able to get through all of it. I paid off my debt. I saved money. I had money. I had very obviously valuable skill sets. I knew that if I didn't, wasn't able to make it work as an entrepreneur a second time that it'd be pretty easy to get hired by a company. Um, so yeah, I knew what the bottom, my personal bottom looked like and I got through it once. So it like the fear of the unknown wasn't there. I had a quantifiable known of like, this is what it looks like if it doesn't work. And it's really not that bad because I've seen it and I've gotten through it. Yeah. And I think that really is such a critical aspect of helping you know us to push forward into you know the quote unquote unknown of of what's to come in the future because like you hit on and it's something that uh you know Tim Ferriss shares a lot in his podcast and I think it comes from and of course I'm 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 having a blank now on the uh the philosopher's name uh who talks about the practice like practicing poverty or practicing your worst case scenario you know practice not eating good food, practice eating uh, rice and beans or practice wearing the same clothes for a week. Because uh, if you do that, kind of like what you hit on, it's like if you can experience that and you can kind of ask yourself, is this the worst thing that can happen to me? Is this what I'm really so afraid of? And then having gone through it like you did to then be, you know, getting to the other side, I think it's just an incredible life lesson and obviously made you way stronger, way more resilient. Um, You understood what you did wrong the first time around that you could fix the second time. I think all of that, plus obviously the skill sets that you learned at your, you know, through your marketing position helped propel you to make this business a success. And so ultimately that business is conversion for good. And so if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about what your mission is and uh, what you guys are ultimately doing. Yeah, of course. So there is a, Well, I'll start by saying, to make it really simple, there's two ways to grow your business online. And there's really three, um, but for max simplicity, we'll say there's two. There's traffic and then there's conversion. So you get traffic to your website, to your app, you know, foot traffic in your store if you've got a brick-and-mortar location, whatever. People come in to, to see what you've got. And then the other side is conversion. So the percentage of the traffic that comes your way, that turns into a lead, a sale, a customer, a client, whatever it is that you're trying to convert them into. And so there, for a long time on the internet, the main focus a lot of times with people, especially with young businesses, was on traffic. They would build their website and then say, okay, we have this thing. And now we need to drive traffic to this thing. And so they no longer think about really their website because that's built and done with. And now let's work on our SEO or our social media or our AdWords or our Facebook advertising or whatever else to drive the traffic. But that's really leaving out a huge portion of the puzzle to not continuously be focusing on and continually be working to improve. So what my firm does, and there's a growing number of people that are focusing on the conversion side of it because they understand how important and how powerful it is mm-hmm. where we take a website and we create slight variations. So maybe 
different copy, so different words, or different images or layouts or designs or site structures so that the site is now more persuasive and convincing. It speaks more clearly to the target market and to the visitors. It is better designed, better user experience, and now a higher percentage of people come by what they have to sell. And so that's what we do for clients. We help them look at all their data and figure out where is your site leaking visitors and therefore leaking potential revenue and why are they leaving without taking an action? Why are they leaving before making a purchase or subscribing to your list? And as we get more and more clear through collecting more data on what's wrong with the site as it currently is and how could it be improved, we turn it into a better sales online salesperson for them that generates more revenue. But more importantly, we gain really clear insight into their customers and how to speak to them more effectively, how to better solve their problems, how to how to serve them better so that they become lifetime fans and advocates and uh, you know, supporters of the business. And so that's what we do. Yeah, and thank goodness there's people out there like you who who love you know, looking at the data and looking at the scientific aspect of, of, you know, traffic and conversion and all this stuff that you're, you're speaking to. And a lot of this stuff that you're speaking about, um, is in your book that, that you wrote, which you alluded to earlier called profit hacking. And, um, for those of you who want a really succinct, um, synopsis of profit hacking, you got to check out, I'll link to it in the show notes, but Omar Zenholm, he has a podcast called the $100 MBA and he does a really great, I think it's like 12 or 13 minutes, minute synopsis of, uh, your book, Steven. And I, I think that you, I'm sure you've heard it. Um, but it really talks about a lot of these things that you're speaking to. And so, uh, what was that process like for you writing this book? Yeah, well, so it's it's funny that you mentioned the the Omar Zenholm thing because uh, I didn't I knew of Omar and I knew his show, but we didn't know each other personally. And one day my book sales spiked significantly, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out. I mean, I figured something had to happen, and then uh, like a day or two later, someone's like, "Hey, did you see this?" And I was like, "No," and so I reached out to a mutual friend and got connected with Omar and, and thanked him. And he might have me on the show actually now, but yeah, it was like funny. I posted on Facebook like that awkward moment when someone like summarizes your book better than you can. <laughs> Cause he really did a great job. Um, and so your, your question was, what was the process of writing the book? Yeah. Like what was that process like for you? Did you enjoy it? Um, what spurred you to, to write a book? Obviously, you know, you alluded to earlier that, you have read all these marketing books and you've kind of compiled what you thought was the best of the best into a, I think it's a 97 page book. That's very succinct, very to the point and helps with a lot of these things uh, that you're speaking to that your business does. Yeah. So it, it's funny for how, how short, you know, relatively short of a book that it is, how much energy and effort went into it. <laughs> it's like, um, I, I really think the best compliments I get on the book are people say it's so simple, it's so clear, it's so lucid and concise and, and impactful and potent and powerful because that was what I was looking for. I could have written a 300-page book if I wanted to, but I really wanted to write a book that had – like every word was purposeful. Yeah, right? there's, there's but, no junk and filler in there. Right, exactly. And so uh, there's this woman – She's actually Elon Musk's ex-wife. Her name's Justine Musk. She's an author, and she had this quote, and I loved it. It was that reading is the inhale and writing is the exhale. <laughs> so I had been inhaling for several years <laughs> by just reading tons of books but never really creating any content myself outside of maybe some blog posts. And so what I eventually did, there is a guy – an author and a book marketing slash marketing strategist named Ryan Holiday. And Ryan Holiday has something that he calls the commonplace book where he Ryan reads a ton and he'll take notes on books that he's read and he'll create 
note cards and he has this big filing system and so I decided to do a mini version of that by pulling about 12 of the books off my shelf that I thought were some of the best books I had written but would be also the most relevant to what I wanted to write in profit hacking and I went through those because I, I read physical books, paperbacks and, mm-hmm. and hard copies, hardcovers. And when I'm reading, I have a pen in hand and I just mark the crap out of a book. There's so many stars, highlights, annotations, underlines, all that when I'm done reading a book. So I'm with you there. It's I, I have trouble reading Kindle books because I can't – I love sitting with a pen and a highlighter and like you said, just marking the crap out of these things. I just And I love the feeling of a tangible book as well. Yeah. I mean I think like when I'm done reading a book, it is so much more valuable. And like obviously, okay, like I've read the book so now I have the knowledge. But I mean mm-hmm. as a physical like thing, it is worth so much more because now it's got like every other book that I've ever read – like I make parallel, like I'll write in the margin. So if I'm reading one book and I'll say, oh, that reminds me of something I read here and make a connection or like mash two things together. And, you know, like if one plus one equals three in this case, because maybe they each have half of an idea and then mm-hmm. together, it's super brilliant. But anyway, so I went back through all these books and took all the best ideas, analogies, stories, concepts tactics and strategies and wrote them all down on note cards and then I kind of categorized the note cards based on chapters and so each stack of note cards basically became the, the outline of all the chapters in my book oh. and uh, so when it came time to write it was really easy it just flowed all out flowed out of me I never had writer's block during the writing process it took nine days to to write wow. but it was all because the um, the amount of preparation I did. It took a very long time to go back through these books and scour like every note that I had made and then hand transcribe them onto note cards and then organize them and storyboard them to put them in a logical order. But it all paid off to make the writing process really um, enjoyable and easy. Yeah, and I I don't know if this is specifically what you're referring to when you talk about Ryan Holiday's system, but he has an awesome blog post that I read where I where he kind of details uh, what you're talking about, and uh, I, I'm going to find that. I'll link to it in the show notes for those of you listening who are interested. And that dude's got a massive library, and he has, uh, like like Stephen was alluding to, some of the most intense filing system in in regards to how many like the 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 amount of notes he takes, how well he does it, and how it's organized. It's insane. So I'll definitely be linking to that in the show notes. Uh, Steven, real quick before we get into the rapid fire questions, uh, what is the next big thing that you're doing with Conversion for Good? Uh, what's that next thing that you're really excited about right now? So I guess there's two things that are exciting. One is recently coming up with a new way of working with clients where instead of getting paid for time, because we used to say, all right, we'll do six months of us working on your website to do everything we can to improve the conversion rate, to getting charging based on results. So saying, okay, only after we've increased your revenue and your profit by, say, $30,000, directly proven through your data and your analytics, do we get paid $5,000, right? Like, whatever the ratio is. I mean, that's not exactly how we charge. But, like, we say, all right, we're going to start working because as a business owner, I don't, for the most part, and I really do want to work with people who feel the same way. If I'm hiring someone, like I don't care how many hours it takes them to do it. I don't care like the the time or anything like that. I want a result. I want an outcome. And that's what I'm able to do for clients is we're able to go in and make improvements to what they already have in a way that creates more revenue and profit for them. And so if that's what I'm charging – well, or if that's what I'm delivering, then it feels like the most confident way that I can prove to people that I know what I'm doing before we start working together is by saying, I only get paid after I've delivered this for you. So I think it's a really good alignment of incentives between client and service provider. So I'm excited to do that. And then the other thing I've been working on and starting to lay the groundwork for is creating more, just creating a lot more content. Um, 
really like the main piece of content I've created is the book Profit Hacking, and then I've been interviewed on a lot of podcasts. But mm-hmm. to try and each day have and not necessarily even have it be like a number of words or anything like that, but just say, all right, every day for at least half an hour, I'm creating. So whether I'm writing the next book or creating a podcast or maybe creating some like online courses or like advanced guides or whatever, I just always want to scratch that creative itch because I haven't done a ton of creating uh, recently and it feels like where I could really deliver a lot of value to to the world. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's get into the rapid fire questions. Uh, so Steven, when you think of the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind? So it, it's funny. And I, I think I'm probably going to have a similar answer to like all these rapid fire questions, <laughs> which makes it like not rapid fire, but cause like it depends on your definition of success. Of course. Right? Of course. Like, so for me, my definition of success right now is to, be able to have the impact on the world that you want to have, um, but also enjoy your life um, to the fullest, right? So like how much happiness uh, do you have like on a day-to-day basis? Am I feeling the way that I want to feel as well as being able to make the impact on the world that I want to make? And so uh, it's interesting to think about that in terms of like who embodies that success. And this is going to be like, a weird answer. In fact, it's like, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, the actor, the Matthew McConaughey. Matthew he McConaughey. Was like, he was like, someone asked him, who's your role model? He's like me 10 years from now. So it's <laughs> a stupid answer. But like when I think of success, like I really am just focused on like, who is it that I want to be in like the life that I want to live and trying to like focus on that. And like, if I think of that as the most successful person, I, I feel like it's going to help me reach it faster. So like, the the future ideal version of me that I'm moving towards is at least, and I, I think it may be true for a lot of people, right? Like if that's what I'm seeing for me, um, it makes it that much more motivating for me to move towards. Yeah, most definitely. It's it's like you said, it's having the impact you want to have and doing it on your terms. Uh, I don't think there's a better definition of success than that. And uh, we've already hit on books, so besides um, you know, besides this podcast. Um, are there any podcasts or online resources that you recommend to people uh, on a regular basis? Um, so I a while ago, I stopped listening to all podcasts, and I, except for yours. And, uh, <laughs> and I think I might put like a kibosh on reading for a little bit as well. And these aren't okay. permanent things, but it's just for where I'm at right now is – to think about how to to like trust myself and say, okay, I know that I've learned enough, like at least for like right now, the second, and instead of consuming more, creating more. Um, but I guess like one thing that I go to a lot, like I really like TED Talks, um, mm-hmm. and I know they have a podcast, I, I believe, but. Um, And I like listening to things that like I normally wouldn't listen to. So almost like if you pick topics outside of your main wheelhouse of content consumption to just give yourself a broader scope of new topics um, because that you're opening yourself up to like serendipity or to hearing something described in a way that like maybe makes a lot of sense for your industry or market but just no one's ever thought of it that way because no one's crossed over into like, you know, some future, some futurism thing, or even like molecular biology or string theory. So, yeah, I'd just say open yourself up to new new inputs instead of going to the same well all the time. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic advice. And what you're speaking to is something that I'm I'm trying to do as well. I actually just recorded a podcast about this called Information Overload, and it's like we have so many inputs of information. I'm trying to do the same thing. And uh, obviously, I I told you that I listened to Tim Ferriss earlier today, so I'm not doing that well. Uh, but it, it's we just have so many different inputs that we can choose from. And uh, I think we just got to trust the experience of life to kind of teach us and, and like you said, create. Uh, I think that's going to benefit uh, a lot of listeners. So thank you for sharing. And my last question for you uh, would be, if you had to get rid of every single part of your daily routine uh, and only keep one part, what would that one part be? 
Yeah, so we, we hit on earlier. It would be journaling because okay. journaling for me. So just, I mean, if I had like my perfect day, like in terms of I hit every part of my daily practice, uh, it would be meditating, reading, writing, exercising, uh, journaling is the main ones. And so, I mean, I guess it would kind of suck like if I didn't exercise. <laughs> <laughs> like it's tough to just pick one, but I guess like just that's the one that came up for me. Um, I, I think that I get the benefits of uh, meditating in addition to journaling when I'm journaling because mm-hmm. uh, I do it all by hand. And so it's almost like you know, it's mindfulness, right? Like you're just completely pulled into the task. There's nothing dis- nothing distracting you because it's just your pen writing on a blank piece of paper. And usually a lot of like my biggest insights or even like ideas for my business or for my clients or what I want to create next comes through journaling pretty often. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. All right. So Stephen, where can uh, listeners find out more about you and what you're up to? Conversionforgood.com is the site for my company. Profithacking.com is the site for my book. Um, For the most part, we're just going to be trying to get you to go to Amazon to buy it. And then, um, you know, if you just Google Stephen Darr, you can find me on social media. I think I'm like the only Stephen Dar in the world. So <laughs> that's uh, that works out well for you. Yeah, no ambiguity. Awesome. All right, and actually, I lied. I have one more question, and I always have our guests share one of their favorite quotes at the end of the show. So, Stephen, do you have a quote that you'd like to share with us today? Um. Yeah, I should have. I remembered that I wanted to uh, go through. I have like a list of quotes, and I was going to oh, pick one do. out specifically. Yeah, just like saved on a Word doc, but I forgot to do that. So um, <laughs> the one that's coming up for me right now is it's a it's a song lyric from an Avet or Abet or however the hell they pronounce their name, <laughs> the Avet Brothers. Uh, it's decide who to be and go be it. So um, just trying to instead of spending any time like wishing and wanting, like I wish I was this or I wish I could do that. Um, you know, get clear on what you want to do, who you want to be and start being it. Perfect. What a great way to end the show. Steven, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and chat with us today. I know I've learned a ton and I'm sure the listeners have as well. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. If you guys enjoyed that episode, please let us know. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're going to be at Yield Mastermind on all those platforms. Check out our website, yieldmastermind.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those platforms. Please reach out to us. Let us know if you like the show. Let us know if you're loving the content. Please write us a review on iTunes if you feel the desire to. We really appreciate hearing from our audience and really understanding if you guys are loving what you're hearing or if you guys would like to hear something totally different. We're always open to that stuff. Thanks for listening. We hope you are enjoying this show as much as we are, and we can't wait for you guys to tune in next time.